What's up, Jets fans, and welcome to episode five of Jet Nation Live. We are your hosts, Dylan Terman and Glenn Naughton. Folks, if you told me on August 12th when Zach Wilson went down against the Eagles in preseason that the Jets would be 2-2 two and two in the first quarter of their season, I probably would have looked at you like you're absolutely nuts. Um, but that is the reality. The Jets are 2-2 two and two after the AFC North gauntlet, and, and it feels pretty good, honestly. Um, I'm happy with the, the quality of this win as opposed to the Cleveland win. Um, but let's kick it right to Glenn. Glenn, how are you doing tonight, and how are you feeling 2-2 two and two out of the AFC North gauntlet? Got to be feeling pretty good, you know, tough, uh, tough run of opponents and the Jets handled themselves well, all things considered. And I think what you just said is what what most people feel right now is that this win was a lot bigger than the Cleveland win, because the Cleveland win. Yeah, it may have been more fun because it was such a literally a miracle mm -hmm. when you look at just from a statistical you know, perspective, like the likelihood of that win. Um but this game was, you know, it was more methodical. It required more long-term success and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, uh, good decision-making from the quarterback. Whereas with the uh, with the Baltimore game, it was just so fluky, you know, um, or not, not, not Baltimore, Cleveland. It mm -hmm. was so fluky, whereas this one felt like you went in and executed and did what you had to do to march down the field twice in the fourth quarter. Um, and the defense showed up big. Biggest thing to me, defensive side of the ball anyway, was the safeties, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I did a quick, uh, preview before the game, just sort of a, you know, I, I did this a couple of years ago. I, I thought I'd do it again this week, like sort of a, a last second look before kickoff, what to look for. Mm -hmm. And I kind of said, like, you gotta, if the safeties don't step it up, you gotta make some changes because these guys aren't playing well. And they went out and they just dominate. I mean, LaMarcus Jordan was fantastic. Um, and I think most people would agree that right now the safeties up to that point or what had been holding this defense back because the corners have been good. Um, you know, the, maybe the pass rush isn't as good as we would like, but there's a little mm -hmm. something there. But, yeah, Whitehead, Joyner, they they balled out, and that was the difference. Yeah, I don't want to poo-poo on Zach's return to regular season action after the injury, but that secondary really was the the talking point of the day, and, and we'll get right into it. Our topics for tonight, um, obviously we're going to recap the Steelers' win um, we're at the quarterway point or sort of the quarterway point with 17 games. Now we'll throw the fifth game on the back end and we'll, we'll give you a quarterly update on some of the rookies, some guys that we like in, in particular. Um, we're going to do an injury report. Um, Jets are looking a little light on the injury report, which is a good thing. And uh, that'll take us right into the Dolphins preview. And we'll give you some draft talk at the end, obviously to close it out here. So with the week four recap, uh, offensively, excuse me, I want to start with Zach Wilson, his return to football. He came out kind of a rocky start. I know he had some, some good plays in the first half, but he finished 18 of 36, 252 yards, which is his third most uh, yardage output in his career. Uh, 297 at Tennessee last year, week four, and then 258 at Carolina last year was his second. So he was just right there as his third most yardage output. One touchdown, two interceptions, uh, but he did have the receiving touchdown on, on the New York special, we'll call it. There were some other names on Twitter that I liked better, but um, we won't use them here on the show. Um, Wilson and Moore, that was my first highlight. I think, um, oh, just like last year, that connection was, was crisp. It was sharp. A lot of good anticipation throws on third down that really helped continue drives. And 
I think Elijah Moore got a little frustrated down the stretch that he wasn't getting as many looks as he should have. I think he finished with four targets. But in the in the first half, they were clicking. And I wrote, as always, because last year it was kind of the same thing toward the back end of the season. I think the Philly game was when they really started to break out together. So I liked that that was an instant pickup right away. Uh, he did have the ugly first half interception when they were in field goal range, could have put points on the board. Um, he had the deflected interception, not his fault, Tyler Conklin's fault. Minka Fitzpatrick intercepted it. I feel like Minka Fitzpatrick is due for an interception anytime the ball is tipped up in the air. So that was a really unfortunate one. Um, a couple misses on Zach's part, uh, easy misses. Again, these screens, these swings, the rail route to Brees Hall. I think twice he missed Brees Hall. That could have been touchdowns. So, you know, that, not, that deep ball to Brees Hall was the worst one to me. That would have been like a 91 yard touchdown yep. pass. He was, was nobody behind him. And he's under th- – oh, that – that I mean, that's that's a g- – that would have been huge. That was the killer to me, yep. Um, Corey Davis, I think uh, we need to talk about him a lot because that, that connection looked really good. Um, he targeted Corey Davis on four out of his five catches were on the final two drives. So when it was time to, to, time to nut up, he was looking for Corey Davis. Um, Corey Davis finished with the third most wide receiver snaps behind Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson – but he had the first most targets in seven. So I think that that's for those who play fantasy football and they had the big boom in Garrett Wilson early. I think Corey Davis is the name to watch. He might be on the free agent wire, honestly, in some leagues because he didn't produce early, but I think he's the one to watch with Zach Wilson because that connection did look very good. Um, yeah. Like I said, he, he missed Brees Hall on a couple of those routes. So it would have put his, Yards total, like epic day, like over 300 yards. He would have looked great in the stat sheet. But then my final note on Zach Wilson specifically was he is so fun yet stressful to watch. Every single play, my heart was pounding out of its chest. Some plays were great. Some plays not so great, like the throwback pass for Michael Carter that ended in a goof throwaway. But, um, yeah, yeah, I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that because I know Austin Gale had a tweet related to beer pong or something. And I wanted to get your thoughts on how, how you felt if you were stressed watching Zach Wilson in the pocket a little bit there. Yeah. I mean, uh, to me, honestly, it's more stressful when he starts running out of the pocket, you know, when he starts, when, when he gets under pressure and I mean, the pressure numbers were insane. Yeah. I think the official stat was 22, 22 pressures in one game. That's absolutely nuts. And that, yeah, the, the play on the, on the, uh, on the, the the trick play behind the line of scrimmage, like it was a disaster, but then it was a thing of beauty, like to see him yeah. gather the ball well enough to just take a couple of strides and have the wherewithal and the ability to just flip it forward. Like Two that's, that, that's th- those are the types of plays, honestly, I watch. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's just from so many years of, of just terrible Jets football. I watch that play and I'm like, that play 99 times out of 100 happens against the Jets. Oh like, yeah, for sure. Jets, the Jets just, they're always that team that, like, even when they do something kind of right, it finds a way to go wrong. And that's what happened, you know, I mean, again, not that Pittsburgh had to do anything to force that. That was a Jets mistake. Right. But in years past, that is 100% a Jets fumble, whatever, the other team picks it up. Um, so, yeah, it was it was, it was was the, 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 the best terrible play you'll ever see. <laughs> yeah, that, I think that's a very fair way to put it. And some of the plays, I think, were – smaller versions of that throughout the day. And, and obviously there was the the deep pass to Corey Davis that he couldn't get his feet in on the sidelines. And those plays look great. He's dropping back 12 yards behind the line of scrimmage, looking like it's going to be a big loss of a play. And he just 
lobs it up. It's a perfect ball to Corey Davis, and he just couldn't get that second foot inbound. So there was a lot of good, a lot of Did bad. Did you see that replay though? It was questionable. Yeah, yeah. I think I don't. I don't even think it was questionable. I at first, I, first, first I thought this is just a Jets fan looking to complain. He was out of bounds. Sure. No question in my mind. But if you watch the replay, he was very clearly in. Mm-hmm. And the reason why, we're all looking at Corey Davis's toe and we're watching it land on the line. And you're like, look, he's out of bounds. Uh-huh. But if you drag if you drag that bar back a little bit, his right foot is, is on the ground planted. His right foot, there's no question. The left foot, the toe that lands out of bounds, that's a third touch. It, it kicks up chalk on the hash mark with that left foot. So the wow. left foot kicked up chalk, the right foot was in bounds, and then the left foot landed on the line, and that's what they called. And, you know, watching it real time, it happened so quickly, yeah. I thought to myself, I'm not going to say I was screaming for a replay, but I just thought, oh, wow, that was really close. Mm-hmm. And then then I see the tweet, oh, Corey Davis was in bounds, and I'm thinking, oh, here's another whining fan complaining, who cares? Yeah, yeah. And then I saw enough people talking about it that I thought, What's, let me watch this thing. And I watched it, and the first couple times I'm like, oh, the, you know, he cut the clip off before his toe landed out of bounds. He's doing mm-hmm. that because he's out. And then I'm like, oh no, his he kicks up chalk with that lip. That was he was in bounds. Damn. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to go back and rewatch that now and, and focus specifically on that. It seemed like I'll, I'll record, it's on the um I'll, yeah, I'll share. send it to you. It's, it's on the yeah, forum on Jet Nation. Someone shared that tweet. And I went, you know, same thing on there. People were like, Why are you complaining? He's out of bounds, it's a big deal. And I went, I said, Look, guys, I thought the same thing, but if you watch that foot you you see it kick up chalk with the right foot down wow that's funny because i saw a lot of um pittsburgh fans not to completely get off the rails but i saw a lot of pittsburgh fans complaining about the the minka fitzpatrick would be interception on the sideline and that was because close. yeah his feet were i think his feet were in bounds but i think the ball was not secured at the time his feet were in bounds and his foot came up as the secure that's exa- that's, I I think it was his right foot started coming up before he had the ball secured that's what I thought yeah so I saw I saw a lot of people griping about that one I have to go back and watch the Corey one but that's that's interesting um moving on to the running backs I want to touch on this um for the second week in a row Brees Hall has more snaps and obviously more snap percentage than Michael Carter uh, this week, 17 carries for 66 yards and a touchdown for Brees Hall, just a little bit short. Uh, Michael Carter had nine for 15, uh, pretty rough day for him. Um, but the snap count was 30, uh, 31 for Michael Carter, 46 for Brees Hall. So it was a 65-45 split in Hall's favor. This is the second week in a row now that Brees Hall has gotten more um, snap percentage than Michael Carter. Last week was... 51-48, so a little bit closer um, to 50-50. But I wanted to ask you, after rewatching, I'm not sure how much of the rewatch you got done, but is Brees Hall running back one from here on out? Is, is Michael Carter going to be our backup? I mean, listen, I said after they drafted him that, you know, it, w- it would only be a matter of time before he's RB1. He should be RB1. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I, I hope that's the point that right now. He's just clearly the most talented guy. Um I just sent you that shot if you get a second to look at it. But, um, oh, perfect. Yeah, I, I think Brees Hall, he's the more talented runner. He's more explosive. He's more powerful. And he really, you know, he's had a couple of runs now where you're like, man, he is like literally like like that close to, to mm-hmm. just, you know, popping that big 50, 60, 70 yarder, which, of course, he didn't break this week because I bet money that he would. 
I, that's why I said just a little close. And yeah, I'm looking at this replay, and I'm glad that it's looping because it's really easy to tell. His foot yeah, was down. Yeah, watch stare at that toe when it comes across the hash. Yep, I 100% agree. It flicked up. Yep, I see it. Oh, yep. Man. Could you the imagine? The first couple times I didn't. I was like, oh, I can't believe these people are complaining. He's yeah. obviously out. And then I was like, oh, he kicked up chalk. That's amazing. If Zach completed that pass, I think every national media outlet is raving about Zach. I think that that one play could have made the difference because it was a beautiful play, I, I thought at least. But um, yeah, yeah. So that that's that's interesting. I'm glad that um, you said that about Brees Hall because when he was drafted, I kind of said the same thing that it's only a matter of time. If you just look at his workload at uh, Iowa State, he's just getting the workload. He was the guy. He was like almost like a Jonathan Taylor type of workload when he was at Wisconsin. So right, right. So, so it's just I'm glad that we see it. I think um he had a couple big runs. I think explosive to Rob Sala is 12 yards and I think he had a couple of those in this game, but he's so close to breaking that 50, 60, 70 yard run and you can see these lanes are opening up in the rush in the the rushing attack and I'm really happy. I think Nate Herbig yeah. stepped up big. Um, especially in pass pro, there was only Herbie's one a solid allowed. player, man. That was a big, that was a big signing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we have to talk about it now. We can transition right to the offensive line. AVT 60% of the offensive line covered by one man. It's just, it's yeah. insane. And who knows the way that this offensive tackle position is sh- shaken out this season. He could play right tackle. What happens if Dwayne Brown's healthy and they like what Herbig did at right guard? Could you throw an AVT at right tackle? Could you see a scenario of that? He already said he's willing to try. He said he would do it. I said after the game that, um, you know, I'm glad it happened because I've had this conversation with people. I've had people get really upset with me for suggesting that they they move a guy, you know, out of desperation in season. It's it. Joe Thomas says it's hard and he's the best ever. And how can you? How dare you? And I'm like, look, I'm talking desperate times, desperate measures, right? I actually messaged yeah. um, a good friend of mine who I go back and forth with quite a bit on the Jets. And I said to him, I said, listen, um, if and, and I, I, this part I mentioned after the show, if you go back to the, you know, the year they drafted AVT, if you go back to the shows I did leading up to that, I was saying they need to draft a guard who has like legitimate, not, I mean, obviously you're not going to get like all mm-hmm. pro level. But I said, you got to draft a guard who can legitimately step in and play.